your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Allen drops it off behind him to McGowan's. McGowan's across the timeline. Shakes, bakes, drives, puts it up. No, kicks it. Webster, three ball. Got it! Holy cow, Nebraska's come from behind and has taken the lead on a three ball by Kobe Webster and a timeout on the floor. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. The two best college football teams set to square off tonight in Miami. Here in about an hour or so, looking forward to this one tonight. The Buckeyes, the Crimson Tide. And we're going to keep an eye on that as we make our way through. In fact, Adam Rittenberg is going to join us at the top of hour number two to break this one all down for us. Adam covers college football for ESPN.com. We have him on every Monday during the college football season. So this will be his last installment with us during this 2020 football season that wraps up here in early 2021 with a national championship game. Welcome to another week of Sports Honey. So glad you're with us here on Championship Monday tonight. Hope you had a good weekend. Beautiful day outside today. The sun popped out. Makes you feel better. A little, little skip in the step as things moving along. We're also excited because we're moving closer to the start of Husker volleyball season. It begins next Friday in Bloomington, Indiana. We're going to hear from head coach John Cook here in a couple of minutes, get his thoughts about the schedule, the the season ahead, playing back-to-back matches, a great recruiting class for John Cook in November, lots of stuff to cover. We're going to hear from Cooker coming up in just a couple of minutes. The Over the weekend, a really nice win for the Husker women's basketball team, Amy Williams' squad, traveled to the great state of Michigan for to battle a couple of ranked teams. They came up just short Thursday, losing by two to Michigan, but then bounced Michigan State yesterday, the 21st-ranked team Spartans. And so good week, good trip for the Huskers as they headed up north. They're back home now for some games. They're next in action on Saturday against Ohio State at 4 o'clock at PBA. Matt Cotney is going to join us in the second hour to give us his take on what's been a nice stretch of, of play for the Huskers. They had those back-to-back road home wins over Northwestern and Rutgers and then got the split on the road up in the state of Michigan. So we'll get the latest from Coke coming up in hour number two. We'll have our weekend rewind and our weekend winners in the third hour of the program as well. And as always, phone lines open and available for you, 531 500 you can dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Well, we start with tough news. Let's get it out of the way. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off because this one is this one is tough to stomach, and that was Tim had in the ticker. Uh, Wandale Robinson's decision to jump into the transfer portal and leave the Nebraska program after two years where he was one tough cookie I mean, that young guy took a lot of shots uh, for Nebraska and a very fun guy to be around, engaging, uh, great face of the program in a lot of ways. And, you know, not not that he was the total face because that generally goes to the quarterback, but certainly one of the most popular Huskers on the football team. And he was producing on the field. And so this is a blow for this football program to lose Wandale Robinson today. There had been Ben quite a bit of smoke about this in recent weeks you were hoping that it wasn't going to be true I started hearing about it probably back in October November 
that this might happen. And you're just like, gosh, sure hope not because he's had two terrific years for Nebraska. Good guy, good representative of the program. You hope this isn't the case. But it uh, came true today with a pretty heartfelt statement that he put out on social media earlier this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to unwrap with this situation. I, like you, had heard it a few months ago and, you know, was just kind of, you know, bracing for the day. Um, and, and, you know, the smoke was billowing to sparks, you know, this weekend um, when this thing really grew a lot of legs. And, you know, you, you got the sense that the end was coming. And, and unfortunately, it happened. And now Nebraska... Uh, for two years in a row has lost their best wide receiver to transfers. And, and that's, the, that's the troubling thing is this wasn't a guy that was around two years and just couldn't crack the rotation. This was Nebraska's best offensive player this year. I mean, you take his production out uh, with receiving and rushing, and, and this, this team goes almost nowhere offensively. And that that's what makes this tough is because not only was he producing on the field, but off the field, as you said, Nebraska was branding this kid as the face of their team. You know, you think back to um, the announcement of the new facility that was being built. Wandale was brought up to speak on behalf of the players on that. So he was the one chosen for that. He was the one uh, that in the off season was followed around and, and, you know, making his own song. He was featured, you know, in that area, he, the, he was, you know, branding his own logo. Um, you know, they, the amount of the, the Christmas video that they put out with he and Austin mm-hmm. Allen. I mean, just about everything that this team wanted to put out there. Uh, and how about, you know, the, the video that they put out, in terms of recruiting, Greg, I think that was right before the season started of Wandale saying why he chose Nebraska and the camera kind of following him around and, you know, him speaking on behalf of, of recruits of, of why he, I mean, he, he was the poster child of this program. And I think that's what at least the people I've talked to today are struggling with struggling to understand is why a guy like that would want to leave. Um, obviously in his statement, you know, he it indicated that, you know, his, his mother being sick with the virus uh, affected him a lot. And I'm sure that was a big factor. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there was more than one factor. I don't think that that was the only thing. And, um, you know, there are reports coming out about, you know, his usage and, and, and what he was used for in this offense and how that would ne- tr- specifically translate to the next level. He didn't necessarily feel like his skills were best shown off to scouts uh, in in the offense that Nebraska was in, but this is this is a tough day because as as we've said off the top, this is the second year in a row Nebraska loses their top playmaker at receiver to a transfer, and you know you almost beg the question: is it is it coincidence? Is there something bigger going on? What, what, what you know? I think each case is different, but I also think that. You know, you should probably look into everything, and that's that's what the off seasons are for, anyway. But this is a tough day for for Nebraska football. Um, that that was until you know we got the news of of the transfer coming in. But I mean, this is yeah, this is a, a young man that you know had such a bright future here, and um, you know the coaches really tried to to make this young man feel important, and I I, I think he did. I think he did feel important, but. You know, ultimately something else won out, and he's going to go play somewhere else. And 
all indications are that he's going to go play for his home state school in Kentucky. That's just what, what everybody's expecting. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case or not, but um, yeah, you, you lose, you lose somebody that we were really looking forward to watching play for at least two more years. Coaches in all sports will tell you that when young men and women, in the case of, of female athletes at the collegiate level, when they go back home for a break, whether it's the holidays, whether it's after the spring semester when they go back for a few weeks, you get nervous because they go back to around the people that they grew up with, and, and, and then people maybe put question marks in their mind. And you're right, the speculation is, is that he may land at Kentucky, which is where he committed to initially, and then flip to come to Nebraska, that that's maybe where he goes. And let's be honest, Kentucky's had better seasons the last couple of years. They've been in bowl games. They've had more success. And I'm sure he, Wandale, hears that when he goes back home. That that factors into it. Winning, winning changes a lot of things, and losing changes a lot of things as well. And so, again, I, I just go off of what Wandale's statement was. The health issue with his mom was certainly a factor. But I also, I, I, I'm not going to dismiss that there's, some people that he grew up with and, and school school age friends from high school and high school coaches and just people that he knows from the state of Kentucky that were probably in his ear. They're, all these athletes deal with that when they go back home for an extended period of time. And his football team has been been home since December the 20th or so. Uh, they're all supposed to be back next Monday. They're supposed to report back next Monday to start winter conditioning workouts. So th- this one hurts because, one, he was a, a really good player, and, two, he was a really good person. And you, you, you can't have enough of those uh, in your program. And so th- this hurts today. It obviously offers up opportunity for other people, and you alluded to it earlier, and Tim had it in the ticker as well, that Nebraska did pick up a commitment from an FCS transfer from Montana's uh, Samari Nori who a lot of NFL scouts say is a guy that's going to get drafted. He's got one year of eligibility left. He thought about just skipping the last year because the FCS didn't play in the fall. They're going to play in the spring. Um, he thought about just going ahead and entering the draft this year and getting drafted in, in April, but he would like to try to prove it at a bigger level, at the Big Ten level, and Nebraska able to lock on to him. I don't know anything that's been good that's come out of Montana ever, ever, ever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's that's a decent program. The Montana Grizz is a pretty good program, and uh, there's a little bit of a Nebraska connection there with their head coach. But, uh, man, Ben, this kid's – one, his tape's really good. You watch him play, and this isn't a high school tape. This is him playing college football. It's pretty good. And Tim rattled, rattled off the numbers. He He's broken Randy Moss's FCS records. Uh, yep, that Randy Moss, he's broken those records. So here's a guy that I think is going to snatch an opportunity now with Nebraska lacking some experience and playmakers at that wide receiver spot. Yeah, and, and I think the thing that's important here is is that he that, that he's got he's got pro feedback already and this is this is a guy that's out to prove something. So I don't know that there's going to be a more motivated player uh, coming in here and, and you know trying to just uh, make a splash and, and make your last uh, season worthwhile than than Toure is. I mean, six three. I mean, his his tape's really impressive. I mean, he he, he can go get it. He, he great route runner, good hands, making some really incredible catches on there. Um, you hope that this guy comes in and just can play right away and just do do something and you know, prove to be a playmaker in which other teams need to take seriously and plan for. 
I'm really intrigued with Nebraska's wide receiver group this season with the guys they have coming in, with the guys they have coming back, um, to see how this this collection manifests on the field. It's a unique it's a unique group position group, and it's a position group that has been an absolute disaster with the staff since they've mm-hmm. been here. Other than Stanley Morgan, and, you know who they inherited, and J.D. Spielman, who they they've inherited, um, the recruiting to the wide receiver position has just killed this team. And so you hope that of all these guys that we're excited about, right, the ones that we even saw this year with Xavier Betts and Oliver Martin saw very little Omar Manning, hearing good things about Will Nixon. You know, there's a handful of guys that are already here. But then, you know, some of these other guys coming in, you really hope of all these playmakers that at least two or three of them can emerge as guys that you can throw out there at the same time. Because honestly, Greg, you look at the way that Nebraska's skill positions have kind of manifested once Stanley left, once Devine left, you can make the argument that Nebraska's lack of running back depth, forcing Wandale Robinson to play running back, had a lot to do with his decision to transfer away from the program. Because... You know, this is a guy that wants to catch passes. He wants to run routes. He wants to show that he can what he can do with a ball in his hands in space, not necessarily running between the tackles 18 times a game. So I think they kind of play into one another. Nebraska needs stability at running back, and they need stability at wide receiver. And you hope that whatever other transfers they bring in, whatever newcomers that they have in the program starting this spring and this fall, can get this thing going because it, it's 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 not been good the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and you hinted at other trends. I think there are more to come, don't you? I mean, I, the, if you're reading the tea leaves and kind of following some conversations, I think there are some more transfers that this staff is pursuing, and they should be. I mean, what did you say last week? 1,200 some kids in the portal. Maybe it's even more than that now. There's talent out there, so go find it. Somebody didn't like the situation they were in. It didn't work for whatever reason. Maybe it will work here. And so Nori today becomes the first of those Dominoes to fall Nebraska's way. Excited to get him here. He he was also, uh, I think Florida State was in on him. Miami was in on him. Some other schools were in on him as well. And he said one of the reasons he liked Nebraska was, one, he knows that there's a chance for him to get a lot of playing time here. And, two, they wanted him here now. He said a couple of those schools said, no, nah, I want you to just come in May. He's like, no, I want to go right now. I want to be a part of spring. I want to make sure I've got the offense learned and can get going and get rolling. So uh, that's exciting for him. We'll keep a, certainly an ear to the ground to see if we hear some other things going on as well. Joining us now on the phone is our good friend, head volleyball coach John Cook. Coach, first of all, it's been a while since we've chatted. Uh, I know it's been a it's been a really interesting, rocky last few months. Let's just start first with short term, how things have gone, and you know the last five days or so, and and what what everything's been been doing leading up to uh, the start of the season. Well, the last five days have been uh, trying to get kind of back in the saddle again. Uh, we we've been actually going a couple more seven days i think um so after two week breaks so normally we're, we you know we're trying to treat these this as a preseason, like in august uh leading into a season so uh but uh it's just trying to get going trying to get them rallied up and uh tuned up and uh prepared to play a match here in another uh, week and a half Coach, you've been at this a long time, and I'm sure at this point, you know, there's always tweaks to the schedule, but you have an idea of 
uh, of timelines, how many practices, when, when to report, how, how to structure a um, really a fall, a fall camp, so to speak. How has this season challenged you as a coach with all the, the variations in schedule and, and, and differences from what you're used to based on a schedule uh, from month to month? Well, the, the good news is it's given us a whole fall to kind of work on things and break things down a little bit more and really, really train instead of trying to prepare in a couple of weeks to play, you know, a top 10 team. So that part has been nice. The negative to that has been uh, we haven't, I, I think, you know, very few days that we have everybody here. So you, you just kind of had a makeshift lineup and makeshift uh and you had to adjust that day because you just you know it was day to day who was going to be in who was out, uh, so that's kind of uh, has been the negative of that. Um, we've tried to treat this just like fast forwarding from summer to, to spring. Um, it hasn't gone as smooth as I like. I love being in routines and you know and due to holidays and we've had to take breaks and so it's just been uh, start stop start stop which. I think it's been hard on our athletes. It's uh, somewhat frustrating as a coach because once you, you know, coaches love routine, you get in rhythm, you go. And and that's been, you know, I think what you hear football talk about, just being worn out. I mean, just like every day is, is uh, okay, What what's going on today, you know? And, and you know, you're, right, so right now I'm waiting on the our test results to see, you know, who can lift. And, and so it's just – you're just kind of nothing's not much in your control, so that's been really, really challenging, I think. But hopefully, we can get in a routine here, keep everybody safe, and uh, and and hopefully the other teams can stay safe, so we can have a season. Yeah, coach. How how has the team handled it? I mean, it's one thing for you as a coach; it's another uh, for your team, who who are probably making the most sacrifices of anybody based on you know what they do and how they go about their day. How how has your team kind of adapted to this new normal? Uh, it's been interesting. I think uh, they're doing fine with it. What I've noticed is uh, there's. Um, I know the best way to describe it is they're just kind of, I don't want to say they're going through the motion. Our group is working really hard, but there's, there's this kind of uh, emotionally, it's like everybody's holding back a little bit. You know, you don't want to like, you want to put your foot in the pool, but you're not ready to jump in the pool because the water might be cold. And, and mm. so there's just a part of this. I've just noticed everybody's kind of cautious and that part of it. And, uh, uh, and again, I, I think I think once we get to playing matches, now I'm I'm worried about we're going to be so fired up that we'll probably serve you know the first ten balls in the back <laughs> wall. Uh, so that that's kind of where we're at. There, there, it's not your typical. It's just everything feels different, you know. Uh, it's winter. Normally we'd be off right now, and um, it's it's just everything's just different. So there's just kind of this cautious approach. They've done really well academically, which has been great. Uh, I wish I had a bonus bo a bonus system for getting good grades for our team. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they've done really well academically because they've had a lot, I think, more time. Um, and uh, but th that's been the biggest change I've noticed. And I just think they they've handled not being able to go out and do all those things uh, really well. I think they've they've found creative ways to hang with each other and and their circle of friends and try to stay in their bubble. 
Coach, I I got, I got to bring up the uh, the video that was released with with some of your teammates, uh, your your your, uh, your team and their teammates with the with the uniform release and the schedule release and and, and your reaction too. Um, I mean that, that that was just a really cool thing to me. It seems like this team is really close, you know, with each other, doing things like that in a time like this, just getting creative with the FaceTime. Um, I think it was Lauren and Nicklin, correct me if I'm wrong there, but, you know, s sending everybody a FaceTime. What, what was your reaction to that and then just seeing that vi video kind of come together of, of all, the entire team's reaction to them? Yeah, that was hilarious. And uh, they FaceTime me, and they're in their uniforms, and they're just staring at me, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> did I miss something here? Because I knew nothing about any of this. Uh, so... Uh, our our social media people have been phenomenal, and I think with everything going on, with not having fans and being able to interact with fans, social media is is a great way to keep people connected to, uh, you know, our program. And I I, I believe our red white scrimmage had over a hundred thousand views. Um, so uh, it's really really important, and anything we can do to be creative uh, to keep people engaged and connected with Nebraska volleyball is really important. And of course, Lauren and Nicklin are. I'm sorry, and and Lexi are, uh, you know, those guys are, they're fun. They've been around this for a while. They get it, and uh, they do a great job of representing our program. You're probably not worried as much maybe about the older players who, who have matured, but maybe for some of the younger players who are being away from the home for the first time, how have you seen them kind of go with this coach, um, you know, trying to find their footing in, at, at a place like Nebraska where they were recruited to, but also being away from their families for the first time, getting used to classes and nutrition and everything else that, that it takes to be a Division One athlete? Yeah, they've handled it really, really well. And, again, as I mentioned earlier, we've given them breaks because, I, I, as you know, I really watch football. And, and you heard it in the end, you know, they some of those guys hadn't been home since March and April and, and were with their families. So we took the risks, uh, and it caught us in a couple situations. But we wanted to make sure they had breaks at Thanksgiving and breaks at Christmas because we just felt like mentally – it would be a really long grind. You've got to remember, our, our players were here in June 1st as mm -hmm. well. They were here all summer, and then, we, of course, we got had four practices and got shut down. And so so we built in those breaks because I just knew, uh, you know, if we have any chance of playing, it'll be in the spring, and we better have give them breaks to, to, to be able to manage that because otherwise they would lose their minds if they were here that long and uh, not be able to go home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, the schedule has been released. Um, what, what have you made of, of the challenges ahead with, with what's been released, how, how the league's going to structure it, a lot of Friday matches? Uh, what, what's your take on what's in front of you? Well, I think the Big Ten did a phenomenal job of, of building a schedule. Uh, we went round and round for months on what to do. And we came up with a 22-match schedule. Now, for us, it's going to be a little bit harder to reschedule if we miss. Uh, so, but I think it's I think you got five home weekends and five away weekends, uh, uh, and uh, and one of those is a, you know with your travel partner us Iowa. We play a Wednesday, Saturday, I believe. So I think they did a great job. It's a fair schedule. It's you know our conference is really tough, uh, and it's going to be. The key will be, you know, can you come out of the gate and and 
play well right away because you, you, it's not like you have four weeks to work into a season and work through things. You're going to have to be dialed in and, and tuned up and ready to go the first weekend. So uh, I think it's a, it's a really, really good schedule and um, it's going to be very challenging. And, and uh, the other interesting dynamic will be we're used to playing Friday, Saturdays, uh, some weeks. Now you're going to play the same team Friday, Saturday. So now there's a whole set of dynamics coming in that. And you're around baseball, so you know it's, you know, it, it, just because you win the first game doesn't mean you're winning the other two. And, and hockey does this as well. So we're going to have to have a great mindset from the first night, win or lose, to the second night, uh, being able to play two great matches back-to-back against the same team and be ready to adjust. And I think the teams that can adjust and make adjustments in 24 hours will also have an advantage. It's a fantastic point. Coach, when you look at then the schedule, the next thing that, that comes to, to mind for me, and I'm sure it is for you, is it, how strange it's going to be going to Devaney with, with not a rocking atmosphere. What's it going to be like? And I'd imagine it's a certain degree what it's, what it's been like for football, but to not have probably the best atmosphere for a college volleyball match in the entire country with your players who are so used to that adrenaline every single night. Yeah, I, I think about that every day when I walk down to Devaney. Like, we're, this is it's going to be like practice, you know, nobody there. So, uh, you know, this is something we're going to have to adjust to, um, and uh, you know, create our own energy. And uh, but I, again, I think the just the chance to play will will be a big adrenaline burst for our players because uh, you know we haven't played in 13 months now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling. Uh, and I mean, these guys have never gone that long without playing in their, you know, in their lives. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, but we'll, we'll have to balance and, you know, and maybe, maybe, you know, there's, there's a little hope. Maybe we could start letting people in. I know Creighton basketball is, you know, 1800 people are going to their games. I mean, 1800 people in here would at least be, would create some type of environment. Yeah. So, I'm hopeful that something can continue to work out and we can increase that because, uh, um, you know, other places are doing it. I watch Oklahoma football. I mean, it looked like half the stadium was full. So <laughs> yeah. other places have done it and hopefully, you know, we can work into that. Well, Coach, we'll save the, the most important question for last. We'll, we'll ask what it's like uh, being a grandpa and what it's like, uh, you know, and how the newest, newest member of the family is doing and how Lauren's doing. Lauren's doing great, and she's excited to to do our matches. She pretty much calls me every day, or I see her every day, and, <laughs> and asks me questions. So she's in that. But uh, yeah, it's you just had a baby, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's pretty special, and um, uh, you know, I, I have to see a picture or see that baby every day. <laughs> so uh, it, it's pretty cool, and. Um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, you know, uh, grandparents can relate. <laughs> Parents are just trying to survive and get sleep. Grandparents, <laughs> I mean, we get to come up, do whatever, hold, hold her and, and do all that stuff, and then, okay, see you later. <laughs> yeah, she's but, crying here. Take her. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. We're already, we're, already, uh, we're already working on upper body strength and arm swings. So <laughs> grandpa comes over and coaches. That's fantastic. Coach, it's great to hear from you, man. It's been a while, been a long time. I know you're, you're right in the thick of it, so we appreciate you jumping on here and giving us some of your valuable time here on a, on a Sports Nightly Monday. Thanks so much, and uh, go attack the week. Thank you. 
Okay. All right, Ben. Thanks. Say hi to everybody. Right now, though, on Mondays during the college football season, a chance to catch up with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Adam, great to have you with us. Um, here we go, right? Uh, Ohio State and Alabama. Let's start with, are you surprised we've made it to the end of the line here in college football? Uh, thinking back to July and August, we weren't sure we were going to have a season. You know, yes and no. I mean, there's such momentum and, and there was such a desire around so many circles of college football to get the season in. So, you know, I, I know there was obviously, a, 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 you know, definitely a, a push to have it, but then you saw the challenges and the, the game cancellations and even some of the stuff that, that happened in the last few weeks at Ohio State. But, but we're here, and it's great to see the, the season culminate. It's a season that, you know, we'll certainly remember most for the, for the challenges, but there was some good football being played, and I hope the championship game tonight delivers two great teams. Uh, but, uh, but certainly a season that I think a lot of us will be excited to be done with and hopefully a, a more normalized slate in 20, uh, later here in 2021. Bama's the big favorite, Adam, but they're going to have to do it with maybe a distracted offensive coordinator. Steve Sarkeesian has really been doing two jobs for a couple of weeks now with taking the Texas head coaching job. Will that Does that factor into this thing at all in your eyes? I don't sense it does. I know that Alabama's had to face this before, and you know, one year Sark actually took over the play calling for this game from Lane Kiffin when Kiffin took the Florida Atlantic job. But I think that Sark's a different personality. I think he's at a different stage in his career, and, and uh, while he certainly has some big responsibilities ahead at Texas, I, I don't sense that he will be distracted. Nick Saban on Sunday praised him and, and the job that he's done as far as staying focused. And so I, I think he wants to see this through. He's got one of the greatest offenses of college football history in, in trying to finish it off with a national title. So I don't anticipate that will be too much of a factor, if any factor at all, for Alabama tonight. Unbelievable. The ESPN's award show was last Thursday night, and Bama swept about everything. I'm not sure I've seen a year where one school took so, so many of the big trophies home. Uh, does this have a chance to be one of the greatest teams of all time in college football in your eyes? I, I, I think offensively they're there. Um, I, I don't know with the defense not being elite in my mind if it's one of the greatest teams. You know, last year we talked so much about Joe Burrow and his season maybe being the greatest in college football history and LSU maybe being the greatest team. So I don't love going down that road too too often, especially in back-to-back years. But the offense as a whole, that unit, is just so complete and hasn't really been slowed down at all the entire season. So that, that, that group, if they can finish it off, will go down as one of the greats. Is one of the big matchups tonight the, the Buckeyes secondary and how they hold up, or is that an area you're going to be looking at? No doubt, especially because Big Ten coaches have told me that this is the weakness. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's a group that's not what we saw last year with Jeff Okuda and, and some of those other players um, in, in that secondary. And uh, you, know, you saw Indiana take advantage of them. I think Sean Wade has had a down year. He's going to be on Devontae Smith, uh, you know, trying to, to show why those first-round grades and all the hype around Sean Wade is, is validated. But uh, you know, especially if Jalen Waddell plays for Alabama, that's going to be, um, you know, it, it's going to be a real tough matchup. It's why I think Ohio State, even though I expect them to be shorthanded in the defensive line, they're going to have to create problems for Mac Jones. They're going to have to try to limit Najee Harris's effectiveness so that it doesn't just become can they stop the downfield passing game of Alabama because I don't think anybody can consistently do that. And I don't know if Ohio State with this particular secondary is going to be able to get it done. Now, they've all been highly recruited. They're well coached by – 
by Kerry Coombs and, 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 and the rest of that staff on defense. But uh, this is going to be a, a real tough matchup against Alabama if they can't create pressure on Mac Jones. Again, visiting with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com ahead of a national championship game that I'm between Ohio State and Alabama. Let's go to the other side of the ball. How healthy do you think Justin Fields is? He took some wallops in that Clemson game in the semifinals. What do you think about his health status for this thing? You know, I think Justin's going to be okay throwing the ball. It's just, is he going to be willing to take off and run knowing that he's going to get hit? Uh, because that side, you know, his ribs and that right side took, a, like you said, a massive shot from James Skalski in the semifinal. You know, he's such an effective player when he runs. He's not a running quarterback, but he's so dangerous because he can run, and he's such a good athlete. And he can, you know, you can have everything right in the pass rush, and if he finds a lane, he can turn it into a, a first down or a big gain or at least not a negative play. So I, I'm curious to see how he, how willing he is to move around. I think he'll be able to throw the ball fine, but Ohio State's offensive line is going to have to protect him extremely well in this ballgame. Notre Dame couldn't score to hang in a game because you can't stop Bama. Can, can Ohio State put enough points on the board in your eyes to kind of hang around on this thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you watch the semifinal, right? I mean, they put 48 points, 49 points in that game. So they, they're absolutely capable. And they're a big play, uh, they're a big play passing attack, which Clemson, or sorry, Notre Dame isn't. They have an a, a elite-level quarterback that Notre Dame doesn't have. And they have elite-level receivers much, much better than what Notre Dame has. So Notre Dame's strength was line of scrimmage, running the, game, running the ball, their defense, low possessions. Ohio State is built a lot more like Alabama is with the quarterback, with the receivers, with their offensive structure. And we've seen two teams, Ole Miss and, and Florida, both put up a lot of points against this Alabama team. So it's absolutely possible Ohio State's going to have to play really well, but they're absolutely capable of doing it, and I think they will. Adam, does either side have an edge in special teams as you break these two down? Well, Devontae Smith, uh, you know, the fact that he also is on special teams is, is a concern. You know, the Ohio State's going to be without its top kicker tonight because of COVID. They, they played the Big Ten championship game without their top punter, uh, Drew Christman, who is uh, you know, back. But that, that's an area where I think you have to give Alabama the advantage. Yeah. Well, we've been dealing here today with the departure of Wandale Robinson from the Nebraska program. I know you had a chance to talk to Wandale earlier today. What did you learn? Right. So, you know, it was really a, you know, two, two main uh, reasons or two main factors contributed to his decision. You know, the first was you know, his mother, uh, who has multiple sclerosis, also uh, has been battling COVID-19 and was in the hospital. And, you know, Wandale told me you know, she has some good days and some bad days, but he wants to get closer to home in Kentucky. And then the other reason, you know, he was very honest with me. He said, I, I love Nebraska. I love the coaches. I love how they use me. But if I want to get to the NFL, I've got to be in a different offense. And, you know, certainly we can debate whether, whether uh, he will be or, or, or whether Nebraska could have made some adjustments, but he ultimately wanted to be used in a different way, even though he was certainly touching the ball a lot as a Husker. So you know, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's Louisville, Indiana, Cincinnati, I think those are the types of programs that he's probably going to look at and study their offense and see where can I, as a slot receiver, be used the way that will best help me try to get to the NFL. Gotcha. Uh, we love having you on because you, you see Nebraska differently than we do because we're so close to it. How big of a stain is this for Scott Frost in your eyes? Well, it's a concern because offensively, this is supposed to be the unit, right? This is you, you brought in Scott Frost from UCF, and they're putting up crazy numbers and points and uh, all over the board, and, and it just hasn't worked out. 
uh, to that degree yet. Now he could, and I think this is a really important offseason for, for Nebraska to, to find playmakers and, and put itself in a position where it can score. But you also have to play defense, and I thought Nebraska at times improved on that side of the ball. And at times you have the game like Illinois where they couldn't stop anyone. So in this conference, it's just different, and especially in the West Division. You have to play defense, and then you have to find enough explosion to run your offense the way that you want to. So I just think it reinforces, Greg, how big of an offseason this is for Nebraska. I mean, my, my theory on the West Division in the Big Ten, okay, there's no Ohio State. There's no, uh, there's no Oklahoma, there's no Clemson, there's no Alabama. But you have tremendous consistency in this, in this division, and it's hard to move up. I mean, you've got to get Wisconsin or Iowa or Northwestern to start losing, or, or Minnesota, I think, is on a good track. So it's hard for Nebraska to move up. And I think it's just why this offseason is going to be so important for Scott and his staff. Very good. All right, uh, how do you see this thing playing out here tonight? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. You know, two exciting offenses. I have Alabama winning, but by single digits. It certainly wouldn't surprise me, Craig, after everything we've been through this year, that Ohio State, a team that only played five regular season games, had to deal with the COVID situation every week and has has been battling some issues there, honestly, since late late November. Wouldn't surprise me if if they end up as a national champion, uh, especially with the, the momentum they have coming off of the semifinal. But I have Alabama winning a close one tonight and just reinforcing why they're the, the top program in college football. Fantastic. Well, I just want to see a good game. Adam, I'm kind of sad. It's our last chat with you for a while. We appreciate you jumping on with us every Monday, and we'll look forward to doing it again next fall. Yeah, reach out whenever. I've always enjoyed it, Greg, and uh, wishing you and everybody in Nebraska a great offseason. Well, yesterday, this guy was busy. Matt Cotney, Husker Sports Network, was calling the Husker women's basketball victory over Michigan State yesterday. Hello, Cote. How you doing tonight? Uh, Greg, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on tonight. It's a fun time to be the voice of Husker women's basketball. What a trip to Michigan. How about the, the two games up there? I think if you would have told Amy Williams, would you take a split? She probably would say yes, wouldn't she? I think so, Greg. You know, I, I asked her a question after the Michigan game just to kind of gauge what she thought because I was very proud of the team. And, you know, I, I, she went immediately to the locker room instead of going to our postgame show, which sometimes can mean, you know, that she wasn't happy with the team. But I sensed she was really happy with their fight. I consider that a great trip for Nebraska. They knocked off a a ranked team in Michigan State, and we're right there with Michigan until the end. And, uh, you know, they've won three of their last four. They've knocked off a couple of ranked teams. And, yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with you. She would have taken a split before that road trip. I'm going to ask you a question you asked her, and that is, what's working right now? What, what are you seeing from this team that they're having the success that they've had here in the last two weeks? Well, you know, sometimes you have to be lucky, Greg. And, you know, when Trinity Brady got hurt in game two, uh, after Mackenzie Helms then left, and then Ruby Porter got hurt. Uh, I mean, there just weren't a lot of hands on deck. So Amy was kind of forced to move Izzy Bourne to the three position, which, you know, at the time everybody thought, well, she's playing out of position. But Ruby, I'm sorry, uh, Izzy Bourne played so much international basketball where she played away from the basket, that she's very comfortable out there. And now what you have is Bella Cravens playing in the middle of veteran post who, you know, led the Big Sky Conference in rebounding. So Kate Keene has lost a little bit of the pressure where she's got to be the only rebounder on the inside. And now they funnel 
players to Kate Kane, who I wish there was a statistic nationally on shots affected because Kate Kane is really being dominant in forcing some wacky shots from the other team if they can get by Bourne and if they can get by Cravens. She is like the ultimate uh, shot adjuster at the back of it, and teams are having a hard time with Nebraska's length, and it really has a lot to do with the injuries that force Nebraska to play this big lineup, and it's a great defensive lineup. It still is pretty pedestrian offensively, but – you know, uh, on the scoreboard, it, it, it's did you outscore the other team? That's all that counts. No doubt. We're visiting Matt Cody, Husker Sports Network. He calls Husker women's basketball. He'll be with you tomorrow night during this time. We'll have our women's basketball radio hour with the head coach, Amy Williams, between 7 and 8 Central Time tomorrow night. All right, you talked about some of the injuries. I know, where, where do they stand? I mean, are they going to get anybody back here in the coming weeks? What do you think? Well, they got Ruby Porter back, who missed a few games, and that was huge. Trinity Brady, they've said she's been day-to-day for a while. I know with Trinity, they want to be very careful because she's been injury-prone in the past, primarily with concussions. This apparently uh, was one of the more severe high ankle sprains that they've seen, uh, but they they think they're going to get her back fairly soon. I've been told since the beginning of the season the target date on Michael Caton was in January. Well, we're pretty much in the middle of January right now, so um, you know I've not heard any any more updates. He continues to go through warmups, so you know I think right now it's kind of day to day on on Brady and Caton. And then the big news is Izzy Bourne, and, you know, and I don't think we're going to know anything on that. I'll, I'll obviously talk to. Him. Coach Williams tomorrow night, they got on the plane, they got home last night, and uh, she may have an update on that, she may not. It looked to us like it was, you know, an ankle. Uh, Ruby Porter missed, you know, a couple of games with an ankle. It, and it just seems like, you know, back when you and I were kids and, you know, an ankle sprain was spit on it and get back out there. But, you know, in today's world, they've got some protocols on those. I, I hope I hope she can be back for Ohio State on Saturday and I hope it's nothing more than an ankle, but uh, hopefully we'll have some news from Coach Williams tomorrow. Yeah, it was just tape it tighter, right? Back in the old days, just tape it a little tighter. We'll be all right. <laughs> but, Coach, I can't move my foot. My That's all right. Told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you answered that because we did have a text question for you about that if you had any update on Bourne's injury. So there there you go. We, you handled one of our text questions for the night. Get busy with Matt Cody here. All right, um, what, what do you make of the league? I know it's still early in this thing. Or are you starting to see some separation? Where, where do you where do you think the Huskers plug into this thing now that we're getting into mid-January? Yeah, I think there's a clear top four, and I think there's a clear bottom four. And then in the middle is where Nebraska is right now. It, it, right now, it's really hard to look at the conference standings because everybody's played a lot different number of games. I mean, Ohio State's played two, and, you know, Nebraska's played seven. So uh, take that for for what you will. But I think Maryland, Indiana, Michigan uh, have separated themselves at the top of the league. Maybe Ohio State, but we don't have uh, enough to go on after that. Then in the middle, you're looking at Iowa. You're looking at Nebraska, Northwestern. Certainly in the middle there, Purdue would be in there, and then uh, the rest of the teams after that. I think Nebraska is the talk of the league right now. Uh, you know, I have had my uh, cohorts text me and say, what, what is going on in Lincoln? It's, it's been a very impressive run here 
since the New Year's Eve. I think Nebraska, if they could stay healthy-ish, because right now that's where they are. They're not healthy. They're healthy-ish. And they're kind of on a shoestring with the lineup they have now. One injury, and the whole thing could fall apart. But if they could stay healthy-ish, I think they could be an upper-division team, maybe maybe get into the top six. But this Big Ten is a meat grinder. Maryland is down a little bit, but they're still, I think, the class of the league because they beat Indiana. Indiana was picked to win the league, and they've already been beaten by Maryland. Uh, you know, I think Nebraska – if they stay healthy-ish, can finish in the top half of this league. If you do that, you'll be an NCAA tournament team. I think I think the Big Ten could get seven, maybe eight teams this year. That's what I was going to go to next. I mean, with the limited non-conference schedule code, it, how how is the committee going to differentiate between these leagues? Because they didn't play a lot of non-conference games. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question there, Greg. I mean, if Ohio State ends up only playing 13 games this year, in a normal year, if they were in, in, they're ineligible for the NCAA tournament. By the way, they've got three programs that were deemed ineligible. But in, a, in you know, if if they were eligible, how would you, how would you do something like that? You know, someone was asking me yesterday, like, you know, how bad were your three losses? Well, you know, the, unfortunately, the losses Nebraska have had, the Indiana loss was a blowout. Well, a lot of teams have got blown out by Indiana. Purdue is not. Uh, a team right now that that looks like they're going to be in the NCAA tournament, and then Creighton is a good team, no doubt about it. But you know, if you want to be a lock for the NCAA tournament, your losses have to be against you know ranked teams or other NCAA tournament teams for them to look at it. But I think there's enough time uh, for the committee to look at Nebraska and say, look, they have very very quality wins after the first few games. Yeah, this is not a normal year, as you pointed out. I mean, usually it takes 10, 11 games of the non-conference to kind of put your team together. And I'm not exactly sure we know who's going to play for these teams. I mean, I've heard rumors that, you know, you've got places around the country where high schools aren't allowed to play, like Minneapolis. And, you know, some of those players, if they've already got enough credits, uh, at the end of their first semester of high school, could become eligible for some of these college teams. Wow. I mean, we've never seen anything like that, Greg. So I'm not exactly sure we know who's going to play for some of these teams in February if they can get some of these graduating high school seniors eligible who are not allowed to play in high school. I mean, isn't that wild? So um, there's a lot of unknowns right here. And then how they're going to make that determination, you know, the new – uh, the women have went to what the men are doing with the NET rankings. They're not really looking at the RPI. Right now, Nebraska's a 71. And uh, certainly, as they continue to play this tough Big Big Ten schedule, they should go up. So they're in a pretty good position if they, did, if they keep doing what they've been doing. Does Nebraska have any of those high school players that could get here at semester, to your knowledge? Uh, you know, I really don't know. I, I don't know what high schools are shut down. I mean, you know, you stay here in, in Nebraska and you don't really think about those things because, you know, you look at Alexis Markowski and the oh, monster yeah. game she had against Fremont the other day. So we're we're thinking about players who are playing, but yeah. uh, I, I really don't know. I mean, uh, that would certainly help right now, wouldn't it? But, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the rumors around the country that we might see some of those things. Well, one player that we know is really good, Sam Hybe. T- talk about what you've seen from her. Obviously, an all-conference type player for the Huskers right now. W- what have you made of her performance so far this season? 
you know, what you always like to see is growth, you know, that you take your game to another level. And Sam, I really think, has become a five-tool player this year because of rebounding. She had mentioned to Amy Williams during their offseason get-togethers that she wanted to lead this team in rebounding. It's one thing if your coach comes to you and says, I challenge you to do this. But when a player says, I want to be a better rebounder and I want to lead the team in rebounding, that's one thing. And then you go show it on the floor. That's a completely other thing. It's a pretty tall statement when you come in with Kate Keene as a fourth-year senior to say, as a guard, I want to do that. Rebounding is so much want, Greg. And we all know Sam Hybe's athletic ability. I mean, she pitched on her high school boys baseball team and uh, in Minnesota. I mean, you know, their athletic ability is is certainly never been questioned. But when you go into the tall timber and you put on your big girl pants and you're one of the team's leaders in rebounding, that that says a lot about growth. She's a real leader on this team. And as she's put this team on her back many, many times, and she's got the ball late shot clock. And as we know, she won the Northwestern game with an unbelievable shot. So I, I think it's the rebounding and more than that, that shows growth as a leader and you know, want to do anything you can to help the team win. And that's that's what's impressed me about Sam this year. Uh, I'll let you go with this. It came out a week or so ago that the men's NCAA tournament is going to be played in the state of Indiana. Is there, to your knowledge, any talk about trying to bubble somewhere the women's NCAA tournament? Yeah, there has. In fact, I, I actually think the women were talking about it before the men. The hot rumor has always been San Antonio. Uh, you know, my, my dear friend Debbie Antonelli has been trying for years to get the women to, even during non-pandemic times, to go to Las Vegas. And there's some people who don't have the appetite for that because of the connotation with gambling. But uh, the rumor has been since early November that the women would go to to San Antonio because of the numerous sites they have there. So uh, I know there was a meeting in Indianapolis today. I don't know if it was directly uh, talked about there, but I would be very surprised if there wasn't an announcement similar to the men. Uh, If it's not San Antonio, I'm I'm just saying that because that's what has generally been tossed around as the site for the women, but, but no official announcement yet. That makes some sense to do that. Coach, we appreciate it. I know you're having some fun. Three out of four for the women. You'll have Coach Williams with us tomorrow night here during Sports Island. And then it's it's Ohio State Saturday, correct? Saturday at 4 p.m. Central, three of the next four at home. It's a fun time, Greg. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm enjoying uh, doing these games, even though it's a lot like calling my uh, my boys Nintendo 64 games in my family room in 1997 when they were little. But uh, good experience for what we're doing now. It's a fun time. Good stuff. Coat, we appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right, buddy. Take care. That's going to put a wrap on the show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, and all of you for being a part of this one. Tomorrow night, three hours coming your way, including an hour with Amy Williams. Talk about that Husker women's team that's won three of their last four games. Look forward to that. Enjoy the second app. We'll have all the details about this, all the day's headlines tomorrow night here on the show. Good night.